is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, You know, you have to make a choice when you do a program like this. You either go deep or you don't. You either respond to the day's news or you don't. I have to respond to some of what's going on out there. And in so doing, we will go deep. And I want to start... I don't want to spend this whole program on the Second Amendment and guns and so forth, but the way I view this, these are liberty issues, these are issues about the Constitution, and they're issues about propaganda and demagoguery. And we're going to get on to many other issues today, too. But, yes, I know the VA secretary was fired. Big deal. What am I supposed to do? Maybe he needed to be fired. I don't know that they've made a hell of a lot of progress over there or not. But it's not something I'm going to spend all, all, day, all day on, I can tell you that. I do want to talk about this. The only reason I ever play clips of the Morning Schmo show is not because he has ratings. He doesn't have ratings. But it, it gives you some insight into the mind or mindlessness of the left, of the Tony Manhattan crowd. And what they think about you and what they think about the Constitution, which isn't much. And Joe Scarborough is a perfect example of a man with a very limited cranium, but big ambitions. And he has determined that the only way to succeed is to join that crowd, and that's exactly what he's done. There's also an individual by the name of Brett Stevens. Some of you may have heard me speak of him before. He used to write for the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal for the Jerusalem Post, and now he writes a column from time to time for the New York Times. Yes, he's one of those so-called conservatives. He's not a particularly bright man either. But he is a hack. He's a hack on some crucial issues. And so they throw him out there as the so-called conservative. There's nothing conservative about this man. On top of that, he's very nasty. And so you have Brett Stevens on with Joe Scarborough. Together, their IQs are not double-digit. And here's Brett Stevens on your Second Amendment and liberty and the Bill of Rights. Cut to go. You are not going to get a handle on the problem of America's gun culture um, while there is a constitutional right to own a weapon. Most of the gun crime, by the way, in the country isn't isn't done with AR-15s or the assault weapons that I I suspect both of us would would like to see uh, uh, banned. They're done with handguns, guns purchased legally and then sold illegally on on black or, or gray markets. So until you at least address that constitutional principle that there is 
a right to bear an arm, you will not deal with the problem that we have. Now, let's stop there just for a second. I wasn't going to stop, but I have to. So if you buy a gun legally and the um, guns purchased legally but wind up sold on the black market and gray markets, how would repealing the Second Amendment and making what's already illegal illegal prevent this? But anyway, go ahead. Stevens is saying, I think with a great deal more legal authority than either of us have, is that that is a relic of the 18th century that makes very little sense in the world we live uh, in today. And so the default position always is the Constitution's a relic, the Bill of Rights, a relic, some aspect of the Bill of Rights, a relic, some aspect of the overall Constitution, a relic, notions of Eternal truths, universal truths, a relic. What's not a relic, of course, is Obamacare and Frank Dodd and entitlement programs and deficit spending and open borders. Those aren't relics. Those are modern-day brilliant ideas and real truisms. And that's how countries destroy themselves. But Joe Scarborough, being as dim-witted as he is, he knows He knows there's not enough support in this country to repeal the Second Amendment. These people like to cite polls to support their positions, but they know that two-thirds of the members of Congress are not going to vote to repeal the Second Amendment, and three-fourths of the state legislatures would never do it. And so Scarborough tries to make the case uh, as incoherently and illiterately as he can and does You don't need to repeal it. You don't have a right to own these weapons, period. You don't have a right to own these weapons. Cut three, go. But you're making the same uh, mistake that Ted Cruz made. Oh, my God. Uh, I know. When I asked him. Now, now, let's just stop there. Brett Stevens doesn't have an ounce of the intelligence of Ted Cruz. And Joe Scarborough doesn't have an ounce of the intelligence of Brett Stevens. So you see. What we're up against here. Go ahead. Americans had a constitutional Second Amendment right to purchase an AR-15, to purchase that sort of those sort of arsenals. And it's the, the big lie that uh, NRA lobbyists in Washington, D.C. push out and also other gun lobbies push out. Americans do not have that right under the Second Amendment in the state of Connecticut, for instance. They have limited uh, those sort of purchases. Let, let, let us let us stop a second. It doesn't matter what the state of Connecticut did. If you're arguing what the Constitution says, what the Constitution provides, and the intent of the first Congress and the intent of the states that ratified it, that's what matters. It doesn't matter what liberal governor and liberal legislators in Connecticut say about it. They're politicians. It almost doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says about it. Dred Scott, they got that terribly wrong. Plessy versus Ferguson, they got that terribly wrong. Korematsu, they got that terribly wrong. That was a pro-slavery decision, a pro-segregation decision, and a uh, pro-internment decision rounding up Japanese Americans. That's your Supreme Court. I wrote an entire book on this. These men and women on the court, they're of flesh and blood and highly political when it comes to the activists on the court. 
So Scarborough starts from the wrong premise. Now, the truth is, under the Second Amendment, you do have a right to buy an AR-15. Matter of fact, I would argue you have a right to buy any weapon, rifle, pistol, and so forth, that would be seen by the framers at the time as a weapon that an individual can use to protect himself, to protect his family, to feed himself and feed his family, and to protect himself uh, from police state. And so you get in debates about, stupid debates, about grenades, grenade launchers, bazookas, nuclear weapons, and I would argue, you can make a very rational argument, that, uh, that in fact, that would not be what the framers had in mind. But an AR-15, ladies and gentlemen, is simply a rifle. There's nothing special about it. It's become their cause celeb. And what Joe Scarborough doesn't understand, and he'll never understand it because he's a dunce, but more than that, he's an ideologue now. The government has to make the case against a particular weapon. The government has to make the case against a particular weapon. The constitutional case against a particular weapon. You don't have to make a case constitutionally for a particular weapon. That's the truth. Now, I'm in the minority on this view, not because I'm wrong. In fact, I believe I'm right or I wouldn't take this position. But because I don't go along with what's taken place in this country. I don't go along with the pretzel-like logic of the Supreme Court or the Joe Scarboroughs of the world and so forth and so on. If you don't have a right to own an AR-15 and the government can, can step in and say, you cannot purchase an AR-15. That is, you're a law-abiding citizen and this, that, and the other. Well, then the government can say you don't have the right to buy a pistol. You don't have the right to buy a 38, a 40, a 45, 357, a shotgun. Because there's no particular reason why you wouldn't have a right to buy an AR-15. Is there? So Joe Scarborough is not a smart guy. It's not a battle of wits when he's fighting Ted Cruz, because he doesn't have any Scarborough. And the real intention here is, in fact, to eliminate the Second Amendment. Justice Stevens let the cat out of the bag. And so the media in this country, the left media, are trying to put it back in the bag. Scarborough, in his case, is too stupid. He's let the cat out of the bag, too. But listen to this back and forth between Chris Cuomo and Rick Santorum, and you'll get the point. This was on uh, CNN Today, hat tip, Washington Free Beacon. Cut one, go. You got the president of the United States this morning tweeting that the Second Amendment will never be repealed. We must have more Republicans. Who's calling okay. for a repeal of the so, Second Amendment? So, well, Who's just, calling for Justice it? Justice Stevens did. But he that's- did not. It was in the context of a conversation about the fastest route to legal change. And, of course, if you hadn't, didn't have a Second Amendment, you wouldn't have Heller. It would whoa, 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 whoa. Why are all the Cuomo so stupid? And yet this is the stupidest of the bunch. 
Of course, he called for the repeal of the Second Amendment, not in the context of anything. He said it's the simple way, the most direct way to address this, and that there ought to be a discussion about it, repealing the Second Amendment. I read this to you yesterday. We can all read with our own two eyes. We don't need Chris Cuomo to interpret it for us. Go ahead. Change the laws. He's not a politician. He's not in office. He's not the head of any kind of significant group. It's well, a boogeyman. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's a former justice of the Supreme Court. He's being quoted by everybody, and Cuomo is such a political hack. He doesn't want you to believe what you read. He doesn't want you to believe what the man wrote. He doesn't want you to believe this man is of any consequence. Try and get an op-ed published in the Washington Post. See how hard that is. And finally, they get their man to say, repeal the Second Amendment, and he, in essence, reveals exactly what they're up to, what many of us have been saying. Scarborough certainly believes it, based on what he's saying. Brett Stevens believes it, based on what he's saying. But Cuomo's saying he is a politician, not a journalist. Wait a minute. Don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. Then the American people, many of them, will turn on us. We're talking about common sense gun reform. Not repealing the Second Amendment. Then you let them really know what we're up to. Go ahead. That does a not Supreme breed, Court justice that, that, that does actually, not breed unity. It's a boogeyman and you know it. I, look, there have been boogeymans on both sides, and that's the point I've been trying to get to, which is there are things that, in fact, can unify us. And what we see is demonization. You, you point to the right. I will point to the left. Look at what this, they've will. done to Marco Rubio. I mean, Marco Rubio has been out there trying to do everything he can to stop these horrific events. That's not engaging true. Engaging young people. That is true. That's not that, true. He's no, doing negotiations. He's talked about the kinds of bills. He's not working. Working on any meaningful restriction. Ah, there he is, exposing himself again. Out of the closet, right, Chris? Because he's not doing what you want. Or your brother in New York wants. So Marco Rubio's, his efforts are illegitimate. And I don't agree with many of his efforts. That's beside the point. Cuomo's trying to have it both ways. On the one hand, he's saying, no, 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 we're not for repeal. On the other hand, Rubio's not going far enough. He's just a phony. Go ahead. He is trying to do some red flag work. That's all good and fine. But do not put Marco Rubio out there as someone who's at the forefront of the most progressive ways to end these shootings. This is the problem that... Oh, the most progressive... The guy keeps revealing himself. Another dumb Cuomo. The most progressive way. And he doesn't mean progress. He means progressives. The most progressive way to stop this. Should we invite Chris Cuomo on my show here, Mr. Producer? Why don't you invite Chris Cuomo to come on the Mark Levin radio show to debate the Second Amendment? Go ahead. We have here. If you don't agree with you on a particular solution that you agree to, that somehow or another you're, you don't care about this. That's, that's wrong, your, Chris. That's you your can't take. Demonize, but no, you can't demonize. demonize. That's not anymore. his take, Cuomo. That's what you just did. It's not his take. Everything's not relative. That's what you just did. Go ahead. Who are you saying that he doesn't care about trying to solve this problem? No, I never said that. Because I'll send you the transcript of this. You're thinking it in your head because it's convenient. Okay, but it's not coming out of my mouth. Well, tell me what what you're saying. What I'm saying is access about who gets weapons and how is the fundamental question in this situation. Okay. No, it's not. 
The fundamental question in this situation was the failure of the FBI, was the failure of the Broward County Sheriff's Office, was the failure to have a serious resource officer who knew how to use his gun and was prepared to do it to protect those kids. That was the seriousness of the issue, Cuomo. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Very interesting piece. Well, let me let me ask you this. Don't you find it strange that the deputy attorney general, who's the acting attorney general for one and one thing, handling specifically the Russia matter, actually acts like the attorney general on other things? Where does the deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, get the authority to be the Attorney General for issues, for topics that fall outside the realm of collusion with Russia. Now, this is a very, very important question. I bet you haven't heard it all day. I want to get into this with you because I believe that Mr. Rosenstein, in constantly expanding Mr. Mueller's authority, is acting unconstitutionally. And I'm going to tell you where I first heard about that. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Well, uh, we had a good time on Hannity last night. Looks like he won the night, beating Rachel Madcow and uh, everybody else in primetime cable. So we want to congratulate him. Um. You know, it's no easy thing for me to go on these shows. It's no easy thing for me to go on these shows. The reason is I'm doing this show. I have Levin TV. There are other things I need to do, you know, family matters and so forth. Uh, But I try to do my best, try to be a team player and do it. I will be on the Jesse Waters show on Saturday. And uh, then, of course, Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday. But as I said, there's only so many of these that I can do. But if I can help and help advance the cause and push the mission, I want to do that, too. All right, let's get back to I asked you. Now, this is something you really need to think about. I asked you a simple question, which is this. It's actually a simple question, but it could be a complicated matter. Rod Rosenstein is the Deputy Attorney General of the United States. He is not the Attorney General of the United States. These are statutory positions. They are not constitutional positions. They are created by statute. Rod Rosenstein was confirmed as the Deputy Attorney General of the United States, not the Attorney General of the United States. Rod Rosenstein is the Acting Attorney General in matters related to Russia, when the Attorney General of the United States recused himself on one matter and one matter only, Russia. That's it. 
Paul Manafort's legal team has actually raised a brilliant point, which is being sloughed off by supposed legal eagles, which are more like legal pigeons, and others. And what Manafort's legal team is saying, wait a minute, Rod Rosenstein does not have the authority, the statutory authority, He does not have the authority to direct and supervise Mr. Mueller for the purposes of investigating matters unrelated to Russia. And their point is this. He's indicted our client, Paul Manafort, on matters having nothing to do with Russia. On tax issues, on whether or not he is registered as a foreign agent, on other financial issues that have absolutely nothing to do with Russia. And Mr. Mueller, his authority cannot be expanded beyond Russia by the Deputy Attorney General of the United States acting as the Attorney General of the United States. You see what I'm seeing, Mr. saying, Mr. Producer? Now, this argument was brought by the Manafort legal team in a motion that they filed to dismiss on Tuesday, as written by Robert Barnes at Law and Crime. They noted that Rosenstein could not appoint Mueller to any investigation outside the scope of the 2016 campaign since Sessions did not recuse himself for anything outside the scope of the campaign in Russia. And Mr. Barnes, who himself is a constitutional lawyer, he says, I agree with this take on Mueller's authority. If we follow that argument, that would mean Sessions himself has exclusive authority to appoint a special counsel for non-collusion charges, and Sessions has taken no such action. Sessions himself should make that clear to Mueller rather than await the court's resolution. And doing so would remove three of the four areas of inquiry from Mueller's requested interview with President Trump. Now, this is no joke. This is major. And Donald Trump's lawyer should make this point. I don't know who the hell his lawyers are at this point, but they need to stand up and get smart. Mr. Mueller has no authority beyond the Russia campaign collusion so-called allegation, so-called subject matter. Because Mr. Rosenstein does not have the authority, none, to stand in the shoes of the Attorney General for all the other matters. He does not have that authority. He's not a special counsel with unlimited authority. But Rod Rosenstein is not a deputy attorney general with unlimited authority. He's not the attorney general. He was not confirmed as the attorney general of the United States. Sessions formally notifying Mueller that he does not have authority to act outside of campaign-related cases and cases related to obstruction of Mueller's investigation would be doing what the Constitution compels, enforcing the Appointments Clause of the Constitution. The Appointments Clause of the Constitution. Let me put it to you plainly. Mr. Rosenstein, the Deputy Attorney General, has no more authority to give Mr. Mueller authority to investigate matters outside the areas in which the Attorney General recused himself than does the Secretary of Agriculture. Additionally, writes Barnes, 
Sessions notifying Mueller that he does not have authority to act outside of campaign-related cases, would be exercising Sessions' court-recognized constitutional obligation to, quote, direct and supervise, unquote, litigation conducted by the Department of Justice. That's his job. Not the Deputy Attorney General's. Furthermore, Sessions notifying Mueller that he does not have authority to act outside the campaign-related cases protects against the inappropriate use of the federal grand jury that Defendant Manafort now rightly complains about. In other words, Mr. Mueller doesn't have a right to drag this guy in front of a federal grand jury and to grill him over matters that are not within his authority. And the Deputy Attorney General doesn't have the power to give him this authority. Barnes goes on. One thing to remember about Sessions' recusal. Sessions only recused himself from, quote, any existing or future investigations of any matters related in any way to the campaigns for President of the United States. This recusal letter limits the scope of Sessions' recusal to the 2016 campaigns. It does not authorize Sessions' recusal for anything beyond that. Nothing. Constitutionally, Sessions has a duty to direct and supervise litigation conducted by the Department of Justice. Ethically, professionally, and legally, Sessions cannot ignore his supervisory obligations for cases that are not related to the campaigns for President of the United States in 2016. Second, writes Barnes, And he's referring to the filing of Manafort's lawyers who are on their game. The Constitution's appointment clause requires the democratic process control the appointment of all but inferior officers. This means there can be no principal executive branch officer except those the president personally appoints and the Senate advises and consents to. There is probably no greater domestic power of the executive branch than the power to access a grand jury to indict someone, the power to access a grand jury to subpoena someone's testimony and records, the power to access the tax records of any individual in the country, the power to request warrants to spy on someone's activity or search it and seize it, or the power to simply threaten any of the above to an individual American. That's why the power must be limited to principal democratically appointed officers. The special counsel, when not appointed by the president, cannot act legally except as an inferior officer strictly limited to the jurisdictional subject matter limits of his appointment and supervisory power of those above him that have been directly democratically appointed by democratically elected officials. So, in other words, Mueller can't act outside the bounds of either his limited jurisdiction or without regard to the Department of Justice policies and regulations. And I would argue neither can Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general. He is the acting attorney general respecting a very limited area. He can't now use that authority to agree to give Mueller, who doesn't have that authority, Expanded jurisdiction 
beyond the attorney general's recusal letter. And yet that's exactly what's taken place. Third, Attorney General Sessions limiting Mueller would enforce the limits intended on Rosenstein's letter authorization, contrary to anti-Trump critics. Mueller's mandate was not to get Trump, indict anybody who ever worked for Trump. Mueller's authority is limited to links between the Russian government and individuals associated with the campaign of President Trump, which, by the way, is absurd on its face. Since most of the links are with the Hillary campaign and the Russians and the DNC and the Russians and the surrogates of both and the Russians, this was a preposterous authorization of power to begin with. But that's a footnote. Let me get on. So any subject matter that does not concern, quote unquote, the campaign is a subject matter that Sessions constitutionally must directly supervise over Mueller. Because that's what the Appointments Clause is all about. This includes Sessions' power to notify Mueller and formally revoke Mueller's authority at any time in cases that do not concern the campaign itself. And Sessions can remove Mueller's authority to request search warrants, subpoena grand jury testimony, subpoena grand jury records, target individuals, or issue indictments unless the subject matter is constricted to the campaign itself. Sessions can return power over the existing indictments to regular Department of Justice prosecutors, as both the Constitution and the statutes compel. Sessions can dismiss existing indictments as an excess of authority of Mueller's team, team already infamous for acting outside their authority in the past, whether it be ethical abuses or overbroad, unconstitutional interpretations of federal criminal law. Fourth, Sessions taking formal notice of his authority would remedy what some saw as an overbroad authorization by Rosenstein. One argument for Mueller investigating his two th- uh, 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 the 2005 tax crimes and the 2010 bank fraud crimes and the 2013 foreign agent crimes was that Rosenstein authorized Mueller to investigate all crimes that directly arise from the investigation. As some legal critics noted, there are always two problems with this interpretation of Rosenstein's authorization. First, if it could be interpreted so broadly, it would make Mueller a de facto attorney general of the United States, which the Appointments Clause does not permit because he wasn't democratically vetted by the Senate, and confirmed. So, that's number one. The Appointments Clause doesn't allow it. Second, if it could be interpreted as broadly as Mueller has done, then it failed to conform to the statutes and regulations governing special counsel authorizations. On this latter point, Andy McCarthy has raised it. Regardless, Sessions retaking his authority formally would render the issue mute. Now, why? Because Rosenstein himself did not, as I keep saying throughout this discussion, did not have the authority to create a special counsel for anything beyond the area Sessions recumes himself in. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Rosenstein 
is a rogue public official, every much as Mueller is a rogue public official. Rosenstein doesn't have the constitutional or statutory authority to grant Mr. Mueller the requests that Mr. Mueller has sought. And I wish the Manafort legal team all the best for the sake of our Constitution. Let's just hope they don't get a bunch of liberal judges or none of it will matter. I'll be right back. Lovin. I think uh, Manafort's lawyers are right on. Absolutely right on. Mr. Uh, Mueller was not confirmed by the United States Senate. And Mr. Rosenstein was not confirmed as the Attorney General of the United States. And the Attorney General of the United States, who was confirmed by the Senate, did not confer uh, wide-ranging, boundless authority on the Deputy Attorney General vis-a-vis Mr. Mueller. And if I were Mr. Manafort's lawyers, I would not only press this in, uh, in D.C. court, I guess it is, I'd take it all the way to the Supreme Court. The problem is a lot of these uh, judges are as political as anybody else. And really, the man who could set this straight is the Attorney General of the United States. He would come under enormous, withering attack, which is why I don't think he'll have the stomach to do it. But he ought to do it. Because 50 years from now, people will look back on that and give him a thumbs up. Might be too late, but that would be his legacy. man who restored law and order. Now, the time is running out on Chamonix Spring Clearance Sale. Call or click right now to get the brand new Genesel eyelid lift absolutely free. Don't miss your chance to get rid of those sagging, droopy eyelids and those pesky bags under your eyes. Just listen to Cindy from Flagstaff, Arizona. She writes, Dear Chamonix, your eyelid product is great. It really works. It worked on me the first time and every time thereafter. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know it works. My good buddy, Teddy, Teddy's a heart doctor. He uses it, and he loves it. Every time we have dinner with him, he says, you know what? I love this stuff. And I say, you should. And yes, it works for men and women. You don't think I know a Teddy, do you? Oh, no, no, no. It's Teddy. He's, not, he's, my, he's the cardiologist. He's a good, good guy. Now, during this crazy spring sale, uh, clearance sale, this breakthrough eyelid treatment is yours free when you order Genesel for bags and puffiness. Plus, you'll get the Genesel immediate effects for results in 12 hours. Go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com or call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. Order today and get the Genesel Collagen Builder and Deep Firming Serum, two bestsellers, free. As an added free gift, express shipping, free. 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. If you're sitting in your cars now in rush hour, you're listening to me, Around the dinner table on the radio, pick up your phone. Give us a call, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. There is a, a guy who represents the administration on trade. His name is Peter Navarro, and he's popping around all over the place, and he's saying things that he's never really seriously challenged. 
by hosts or guests alike. And he said, look at these tariffs. We already have a great deal that we're cutting with South Korea. So they won't be able to dump their trucks on us anymore. And I watched this this morning and I said, uh, why doesn't the host ask Mr. Navarro what the price of a truck is going to cost now? Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who drive various vehicles and so forth, the price is going to go up. You don't have to buy a South Korean vehicle for the price to go up. The American manufacturers are going to lift the price, too, because the cost of steel and aluminum goes up. But even more than that, they know that they can. Just like American steel is raising prices. So you're going to pay $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 more for a vehicle. Mr. Navarro doesn't tell you that. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. You know, the way the left speaks, refugees from anywhere and no matter how many should be allowed into our country. And to say otherwise for any reason makes you a racist, any person who lacks compassion, and you know the rest. And this is how they do it. They swamp us with these absurd platitudes. They try and force us into their groupthink. And then they try to silence us, no matter what the issue. Well, I want to talk to you about this. And I want to bounce off of a piece of conservative review by Daniel Horowitz. Now, uh, you can already tell how I do this program. And I've done it now for 15 years. I guess we're going on 16 years, aren't we, Mr. Producer? How I do it quite differently than almost any other host in the nation. In this regard, I am proud when I use somebody else's intellectual property to give them credit. I don't read an article, then steal the arguments, and then play with a few words and then pretend they're mine. And this to me is a poison that has really been flowing through too much of this business and I happen to know I'm I'm among the victims but it's not just me it's others too and so if if I fail to do so it is purely an oversight for which I am embarrassed but as a as a rule I try to do that and Mr. Producer will tell you when he gives me the list of audio clips he puts in a parenthetical the source, don't you, Rich? He, so I can give a hat tip. Now, if we don't have a source or if it's ubiquitous, we don't know who to give it, then we just use it. But if we have a particular source, we tell it to you. We mention it to you. There's a lot of great activity going on out there, and you ought to know who they are, where you can find it, and go get it. One of these places is Conservative Review. I used to be the editor-in-chief there, and I stepped down. I just have too much to do. 
Our buddy Gaston Mooney runs the site. We have wonderful people over there. And among the best, Daniel Horowitz. And he points out that refugee policies are killing us with compassion. Now, for some of you, you're going to cringe. But for most of you, I think you'll be very receptive to what he has to say. He says, we see every day importing large numbers of fervent Muslims from the Middle East without any circumspection or common sense merely imports the values of the Middle East. Now, I've talked about this, too. The lack of assimilation. And instead, we are expected to assimilate into their cultures in an accepting way. I reject that. He writes, the sickening irony of the left's multicultural agenda came full circle over the weekend when the body of Morelli Knoll was discovered in Paris, charred and stabbed by a Muslim neighbor. Knoll had evaded capture by the Nazis in Paris in 1942. She escaped the Nazis. But she couldn't evade the suicidal policies on Islamic immigration of her government. Now, according to various outlets, a granddaughter of the victim who moved to Israel posted the following powerful message on Facebook. Now, let me just tell you, this poor old woman was beaten, was stabbed to death, and then burned by her neighbor, a Muslim refugee from the Middle East. Her granddaughter wrote the following on Facebook. 20 years ago, I left Paris knowing that my future was not there, neither mine nor that of the Jewish people. But who would have thought that I was leaving my relatives where terrorism and cruelty would lead to such a tragedy? My grandmother was stabbed to death 11 times by a Muslim neighbor she knew well, who made sure to set fire to her home and left us not even one object, a letter, a photograph to remember her by. All we have are our tears in each other. Now, these people have the outrageous impertinence to call us neo-Nazis. And Horowitz says, are you kidding me? In another disgusting twist, these same liberal NGOs, these nonprofit groups, are the ones who want Israel to commit suicide and create a PLO state, thereby eliminating the one safe harbor for these European Jews fleeing anti-Semitism thanks to their suicidal immigration policies in the West. So you actually have Jews now who become refugees from Europe to Israel, to the United States, thanks to the so-called compassionate refugee policy of Western European countries that have imported people who harbor, some people, not all, but enough, a satanic hatred for the West and particularly Jews. Yet these same left-wing government officials and NGOs including liberal Jewish groups like HIAS, are now trying to turn America, one of the last beacons of freedom for Jews, into the Euro-Islamic nightmare. There have been a slew of gruesome attacks by Muslims living in Europe against peaceful Jews. Just last April, a 66-year-old retired French physician, Sarah Halimi, was beaten to death by a Muslim neighbor and thrown out the window of her home. The killer was a Mali immigrant who shouted, Allah Akbar, throwing her out the window. 
her crime was she was Jewish. In January, a few days after two kosher markets were set on fire, a 15-year-old girl coming home from a Jewish private school was attacked and slashed in the face with a utility knife. Last February, two Jewish brothers were kidnapped in France and one's finger was sawed off. The security situation has gotten so bad for Jews in Malmo, Sweden's third largest city, that most have had to flee after many settled there after the Holocaust and built peaceful lives. What changed? Well, today nearly 20% of the city's population is Muslim. Now, I am not saying that all Muslims do these sorts of things for the leftists out there who are looking to attack me and undermine what I'm arguing. But when you have massive, widespread refugee immigration into a country and a lack of assimilation, in fact, coddling the worst of the worst, Horowitz's point is, that's not compassionate. That's disastrous. Absolutely disastrous. So you literally have Jews leaving Europe to escape their home countries for Israel or the United States or other places. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because if I don't bring it up, who will bring it up? Have you seen any of this on cable TV? No. Have you seen any of it on satellite TV? No. Have you seen any of it on network TV? No. Do you think Chris Cuomo will discuss this? No. How about Jake Tapper? No. Don Lemon? No. Wolf Blitzer? No. Two of the four I just mentioned to you are Jewish, by the way. But they're leftists. Will Al Sharpton bring it up? Never. The Morning Schmo? Never. Chris Matthews? Not a peep. Rachel Maddow? Nothing. Joy Reid? No way. Nothing. None of them. Now, you might say it wasn't raised by anybody who works for Fox. Well, I work for Fox, and I just raised it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Mr. Producer... My call screen is down again. Do we have any great callers out there? Who shall I speak to? Sirius Satellite Mike in Austin, Texas. Go! Hey, Mark. Um, thanks for taking my call. And yes, sir. I love your constitutional analysis and how you bring history into it to get the context. And Thank you. And here's my question for you. You got it. When you, when you look at the Bill of Rights and the reason... People insisted that that be included um, and tying in the Declaration of Independence and everything. Isn't, it, isn't there a pretty good argument that when you look at Amendments 1 through 8, those are some of, not all of them, but some of what the founders considered our God-given rights or today's terminology, fundamental human rights? No, I, I, I would argue unalienable rights are actually broader than that. And remember, the, the reason originally that they didn't have a list of rights 
in the Constitution was because the concern would be that that's it. Those are our rights. And the argument that was persuasive at the Constitutional Convention was if we start listing our rights, then we might leave something out and that this might be considered it, and it's not it. So one of the things they they added is one of the amendments you left out, which is the Ninth Amendment. And I've made the case, I've made the argument, that the Ninth Amendment is the manifestation of the Declaration of Independence, if you read it carefully. Uh, Of course, the whole Constitution is, from a governing document perspective, But the Ninth Amendment in particular, I think, reaches back to the Declaration. Of course, the Tenth Amendment makes the point that we're a republic, not a pure democracy. We're not a populist country. We're not a nationalist country. We're not an autocratic country or whatever. We are a republic. So the Tenth Amendment is the Federalism Amendment. Make sense? Yes. So my point is that they also talked about the fact that a just government recognizes that people have these inalienable rights and protects those rights for its citizen. So therefore, if a government, if the government was to seriously attempt to repeal any of those first nine, for instance, wouldn't that by definition be the act of an unjust government? Well, I think so, but keep in mind how that would have to happen. You'd have to have two-thirds of both houses proposing it and then three-fourths of the state legislatures or conventions of the states, that would mean 38 states, doing that. Courts, because they so know that, that. So, Hold on. I'm trying to answer your question. So that would mean that the, pop, the body politic supported it. Um, and if you change the Constitution that way, uh, that doesn't mean that your right to bear arms is no longer an unalienable right, but it means it's not going to be recognized in the Constitution, of course, the other way you can amend is a way that would never be done in this instance, which would be the Convention of States. Go ahead. No, that's right. I mean, that, that was, I mean, my point was just that. By but, no, but they're not going to be able to amend the Constitution. I agree. Through either procedure. So what they're trying to do is change it. They're right. trying to destroy the Second Amendment. And I make this case all the time when I talk about Article Five, Convention of States. When we have these clowns at the John Birch Society and other clowns out there, Ron Paul's old group and even some of the Eagle Forum people going on and on about how I want to destroy the Constitution and the Convention of States want to destroy the Constitution, when in fact it is the only constitutional method that can bring us back to republicanism. There is no other way. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Good call, Mike. Appreciate it. Doug, Trenton, New Jersey. I assume the great WABC. Now, Doug, uh, maybe you can help us out here in America. Hey, there my is name- a hold on, hold on now. There is a bridge, right, between Pennsylvania and New Jersey, and on that bridge, there's a sign that says, "What Trenton makes, the world takes." Are you familiar with this, sir? No, I haven't seen it. Well, then you don't live in Trenton. Well, actually, I'm calling you from Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, my name is Doug Sattel, S-I-T-T. All right, thanks for your call. Get rid of him. Don't give me your last name. You don't get the come on here and give my your last name. I don't know if it's actually you. And that bridge is there. It's been there since I was a kid and long before. And that's exactly what it says when Trenton makes the world takes. And I asked the same. And by the way, the lights are always out on that sign. You notice that, Mr. Producer? 
or they're blinking or some of the letters have lights and you go, okay, there you go. So I'm trying to, what's that? Oh yeah. Thanks. Thank, yeah. So, so my question is what does Trenton make that the world takes? I don't even know. I don't know. There's something called Trenton crackers, which I love, but I don't think they're made in Trenton. Anyway, that guy was a fraud, so I have to uh, dispatch him quickly. Hi, my name is uh, Frank. Get lost. Brian, Ohio, Sirius Satellite, go. Hey, appreciate it, Mark. Hey, who besides the president has the authority to fire Mueller? Well, the attorney general. The attorney general can fire him if the attorney general believes that Mueller is acting outside his authority. Clearly, the deputy attorney general can fire him. That's okay. it. And the, and the president? And the president can order him to be fired. Okay. All right, so my question is this. If, if based on what you said before, the case you laid out, if Mueller is determined to be outside of his scope, why can't one of those three come to the conclusion? Of Sir, the, the issue is not why can't they. They can. The issue for the president, if he does, that is, he will be impeached and removed from office because the Republicans have already said they will throw him with the Democrats. The question, however, is why the attorney general doesn't do it. We know why the deputy attorney general won't do it, because the deputy attorney general is the one who's given this unconstitutional and, and uh, statutorily prohibited power to Robert Mueller, who's never been confirmed by anybody and who's acting way outside the bounds of the uh, attorney general's recusal letter. So this is being facilitated and and helped and assisted by the deputy attorney general as the acting attorney general. So really, uh, as I pointed out and as the gentleman pointed out from the article I was quoting from, it's up to Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions there's a number of options he has. He can pull the investigative activity unrelated to his recusal within the Justice Department and give it to, I would argue, the uh, Office of Public Integrity within the criminal division or hand it to a, a regular U.S. attorney. He can dismiss those charges, which I doubt he would do, and or he could dismiss Mr. Mueller, not because of his investigation related to the campaign, but because of his other activities. Does that answer your question? Well, yes and no. I just think that... I'm, well, it answers your question. You just don't agree with it. Uh, abs- no, absolutely, absolutely. Trump has demonstrated he can weather any storm, though. No, he can't weather any storm. He's not God. He's the President of the United States. That is not a storm he can weather. I do, not be- I do not believe that is a storm he could weather, because... The Trump supporters out there will have no say in any of this. This will all be an inside the Washington act by members of Congress. You will have no control over this process. You will have no say in this process. You can threaten, I'll vote you out, and I'll vote you out, and I'll vote this one out. They will not care. All right, my friend, look, that's reality. That's the way it is. I'll be right back. American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. Oh, yeah. 
Now, how would you like to be part of an effort to put a free copy of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence in the hands of every middle school student and every high school student? We're talking about public schools now in the United States. Students aren't being taught the Constitution, so how can we expect them to understand and embrace what's necessary to protect freedom? Hillsdale College wants to change all that, but they need your help. Hillsdale's taking the unprecedented step. Listen to this. They're sending a copy of the Constitution and Declaration to every middle school and high school public school principal in America, along with an offer. And the offer is to provide free copies for every one of their students. Hillsdale is doing this because they believe that educating the next generation is vital to preserving liberty because they love America. Learn how you can help in this historic effort and how you can get your own copy of Hillsdale's pocket constitution to keep or give away by visiting levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com to find out how to help send pocket constitutions to public schools across America. And to get your own free copy, that's levinforhillsdale.com. Trey, Washington, D.C., the great WMAL. Go! Hey, Mark, it's an honor. Thank you. So, Thank you. Know, you. Uh, it's spring break, and we took kids, Jamestown, Williamsburg, Yorktown. We've been up in D.C. We had our kids in the archives today. We're looking at the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, and you just get overwhelmed with the mm-hmm. amount of conviction and courage it takes those men to put their signatures on that document, knowing they're signing their death penalty if they lose. Mm-hmm. And you just you just think, what's what's going on with our leaders that they can't muster that kind of conviction and courage to do what's right by the people? It's, it's amazing. It's pathetic. You're right. These men put their lives on the line, their fortunes, their homes. They didn't know what would happen to them or their families. The British were brutal, absolutely vicious. You know, uh, so many of our men died on these prison ships that the British had. They didn't feed them properly. If they fed them, it was rancid, spoiled, rotten food. They had to live in their own feces, and they would die of all kinds of diseases. Uh, It was incredibly horrendous uh, treatment and conditions. And we lost almost 10,000 men that way. 10,000. Most of the men we lost in the Revolutionary War were killed that way, were d- died that way as captive prisoners. Now, while you're, are you still in Washington, D.C.? We are driving back to Williamsburg this evening, but yes, we are. Ne- we are- next time, and that's a beautiful place, speaking of uh, our history. Next time you go to Washington, D.C., Give a call to Hillsdale College and their Constitution Center over there on Massachusetts Avenue. Okay. And tell them you'd like to take a visit there, and you'd like to see the Federalist Papers that Mark Levin donated to Hillsdale College. And they have it in a special area under uh, special protection with special gases that go in uh, in the display that it's in in order to protect it, just like the National Archives. It's a... A, uh, a volume of the Federalist Papers, as you know, they were individual essays and so forth, but it was published uh, during the, the debates over the Constitution at the direction of, of Hamilton, of Alexander Hamilton. It was published, four, only 500 copies, 450 copies were used, uh, we believe, to spread through New York, which was teetering 
on whether or not to uh, to adopt the Constitution, and the other 50 were set to Virginia as an emergency because Virginia, there was some question whether the Constitution would be adopted. You had uh, Patrick Henry, who spoke magnificently against it. You had James Monroe, who had become a president, who spoke out against it. You had incredible you know, men on both sides of that issue in Virginia, and ultimately it passed. It was a close vote, close vote in New York, and close vote in Massachusetts. And so I acquired, and I spent years looking for it, one of the finest uh, copies of the 500 copies that were originally printed in the best condition I could get it. We don't know how many survived, but obviously all 500 did not. A relative small percentage of them did. And I went to a Hillsdale event a few years ago where I was going to loan it to them and they were so excited. Larry Arn, the president who I had on uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin, and they had built this security system, and they were just for a two-year loan. And I turned to my wife, Julie, and I said, I'm going to give this to them. And when I got up and spoke, I gave it to them. And so I hope whenever any of you, including you, Trey, but any of you are in Washington, D.C., contact Hillsdale College at their Constitution Center. It's actually right across almost from uh, the Heritage Foundation. It's on Capitol Hill, right on the outskirts. It's a beautiful building. They have beautiful things in there. And just tell them, I want to see a copy of the Federalist Papers, and you'll be able to see it. Thank you, Mark. All right, Trey, you take care of yourself. And I'll tell you, I, did it, I didn't give it to the Smithsonian or anything because I really felt I wanted this particular document in uh, private hands in a nonprofit institution like Hillsdale College. I couldn't think of any better place where it should be. Let us go to Jerry, Fairfax, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go ahead. Uh, Mark, greetings. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, now, what, what I wanted to, to talk about, my nephew got murdered in a movie mall parking lot Saturday, the same day as the, the gun rally in Invergrove. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Your nephew was murdered? Yes, he was on a party bus for a birthday party, and a fight broke out in the parking lot as they were getting off it to leave, and he tried to break up the fight, and and, uh, sounds like a 16-year-old kid started just shooting into a crowd of people, and he was the only one that got killed. Where was this? Uh, In Invergrove Heights, Minnesota. Uh, Oh, my Lord, I'm sorry. Uh, Thank you. So my... You know, it happened the same day as this ridiculous rally up here in, in the D.C. area. And media outlets have contacted my niece for her her story, her side, you know, how she feels, which one, the message. And they were essentially trying to recruit her for the anti-gun movement. And when she told her story about how no gun law would have saved him since the kid wasn't supposed to have a gun that did the shooting, uh, the kid that they believed that it is, that, but nobody on that bus shit had a gun because they weren't allowed to bring him on. And no law would have stopped it. It wouldn't have saved him. And and that she's more trying to push a, push a message of mentorship and personal responsibility about parents being involved in their kids' lives. She didn't even have the money to pay for the funeral, and all they're trying to do is get her to join on the anti-gun um, bandwagon. Pretty, pretty but, cold, isn't it? Pretty cold. It, it is, you know, and... She can't even get her son 
to bury him because he's being held in evidence while they're still going through all this. And that oh, she's trying to deal with get her son and, and trying to find a way to pay to put him in the ground. And, and, and instead, she's got media trying to get her to her story out there about about because she wants to make a difference. She she feels mm-hmm. bad for the kid that shot it because now his life is ruined. He probably yeah. Did well, well, she's she's got a bigger heart than I do. I don't feel bad for that kid at all. Up his house and burned him alive. That was mm-hmm. what I said I would have done. She does have mm-hmm. a bigger heart, but that's the message that's not getting out. It's, they don't want to tell these stories. They only want to tell the stories of the people that that want to. Because she says she knows no gun law would change it, and it's just ridiculous to keep harping on that instead of instead of blaming the gun, blame the parents, blame mm-hmm. the people, the shooters, blame the people involved that can make a difference that aren't making a difference. How, how old was your nephew? Nineteen. Uh, Billy Ray Robles just was hardworking, and I've got nephews that probably should have been shot. Okay. No, 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 no. Don't don't say that. But not. But this this kid stepped in, tried to break up a fight, and was murdered. And, and was murdered, and the attention is on the wrong thing. It's it's, and it's just mm-hmm. it's it's tragic that that a grieving mother can't bury who can't even afford to bury a kid can't bury her kid, and the press is trying. You know, they won't even All let right. her message get out because she won't. They won't. She won't. No, exactly, her. exactly. The, the media are a joke. Well, thank you, Jerry, and please. Uh, Give our deepest sympathies to the mother, the father, the entire family. I'm sorry. Let's go to Karen. You never know who's listening. You never know who's listening. Karen, Greenville, South Carolina, the great WTIB. How are you? Oh, fine. How are you doing, Mark? Okay. Yeah, you're sounding a lot better. Um, well, I'm working on it. Uh, after that, gentlemen before me... Uh, I Can you lower so your radio or whatever that noise oh, is? Oh, yeah, i got to turn that thing off. Yes. I've got it on my tablet. Um, I don't hear you on the radio till 9. That, that's okay, ma'am. We get delayed some places. Go right ahead. I want to mention about the census. I just don't understand the whole concept because can't anybody just, you know... Uh, oh, the concept I, of uh, citizens being identified? Well, yes, because um, they can... Can they not just say they're citizens, you know, they're really legal citizens? Yeah, well, then you can be prosecuted, and that's, so uh, that, yeah, that is a felony. I was so how they even... Pe- people can cheat on their taxes, they can cheat on a lot of things, uh, but it is important to have people uh, indicate whether they're citizens or not. And I don't really care what the Democrat Party has to say about it. The Democrat Party doesn't care, and I don't care about them. Thank you for your call, Karen. And here's my point, ladies and gentlemen. The Democrat Party is the political entity, the political instrumentality through which the United States is being destroyed from within. I'm not saying all Democrats. Don't get me wrong. The Democrat Party is the instrument, instrumentality. If you think about the priorities of the Democrat Party, and if they had their way on every priority, what would this country look like? What would this country become? What would the Constitution look like? What would our tax code look like? What would our health care look like? What would immigration look like? We know the answer to all this, don't we? What would happen to our military? What would happen to our police forces? Our education system. 
the modern Democrat Party and the people who run it had their way in this country. We saw it for several years under Barack Obama. But be disastrous. Absolutely disastrous if they had their way. And I ask this question all the time. What is their blueprint if it's not the Constitution? What is their final objective? What is the society supposed to look like? What is our government supposed to be? And they won't tell you. Other than everybody should be healthy and happy and wealthy. But they will not tell you. Bernie Sanders is a liar. He won't tell you. He won't tell you who he really is. He won't tell you where he really wants to take the country. Oh, he'll talk about free health care and free education and free this and free that. Got it. But where would he take us? What would this country look like if Bernie Sanders had his way in the end? Think about that. I'll be right back. Mark in. Are you hiring? Posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. Now, these invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, you, my listeners, can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And they're not kidding. They're not kidding. They absolutely are. Jonathan, Iowa, the Mark Levin app. Go. Hi, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. And where in Iowa are you, sir? I'm about uh, 45 minutes northeast of Sioux City, or about an hour southeast of um, Sioux Falls. Well, in northwest honestly, corner. I don't have the foggiest idea where that is, but I was just curious. Go right ahead. Okay, I'm in uh, Steve King's district. So, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, reason I'm calling is um, so the whole issue with the Second Amendment and especially gun control and mental health. Um, I suffer from mild depression, right. and. Um, I don't own a gun, but, you know, I have a constitutional right, you know, to own a gun. And I'm just wondering, with um, this gun control being pushed so much that, mm-hmm. you know, let's just say, even if they call it you know, mental illness, you know, even if I just have mild depression, but, you know, can still think clearly and stuff like that, will that still take away the right, you know, possibly for me to want to... I, d- I don't know, and I am concerned about that because it seems to me that if you have mild depression, you should be able to defend yourself as well. You should be able to exercise your Second Amendment rights as well. And I've said many times on this program, since all this this 
talk about gun control has reared its head again. When people say people with mental health shouldn't be able to have a gun, I said, well, what? Will you define what you're talking about? What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? You know, half the people in this country have some form of depression, I bet. A lot. Yeah. But they're not violent. Are you violent, sir? No, I'm not violent. No. Do you, do you want to hurt anybody? No, no, I don't. Have you ever hurt anybody? No. That's okay, not so, so you're a, a good, decent human being. Yes. Okay, that's what I'm saying. So why shouldn't you be able to have a gun? And that's the point, too. Like I said, I've never shot a gun before, let alone maybe a BB gun once in my life. But let's just say, you know, I would take the proper procedure to, you know, own a gun and be trained on it. But let's just say, you know, let the, the states or whoever, the gov- federal government decides, you know, look, well, you know, since you have some sort of depression, you know, we might restrict on, you know, what, you know, you can possibly own a gun in the future. And, well, what do they have to specify specifically on how much depression or even anxiety or anything else of mental illness? Well, and then you get to the issue of how many, how much of your private health records do you have to reveal and to whom? Yep. yep. You see, this killer in uh, Florida, he revealed himself to everybody. He went online and revealed himself. He went to friends and revealed himself. He went to family and revealed himself. He revealed his intentions generally and in some cases specifically. That was passed on to the FBI. They did nothing. Uh, the, the Broward County Sheriff's Office did next to nothing. They even have a law in, Cal- in uh, Florida, I should say, that could have been triggered. The Baker Act, which was not. Somebody had recommended it, but it was ignored. So the point is, there's a person who may well have been mentally ill. I don't doubt that. Yet he revealed himself, and he revealed his intentions, and people were concerned about it, and they contacted the authorities. Somebody like that needs to be treated one way. And somebody like you needs to be treated another way. That guy should be dealt with. You don't need to be dealt with, quote unquote. You don't need to be on a list. You don't need to be uh, uh, to be treated as somebody who can't handle a weapon. And this is my concern. What they mean by mental health? They need to start using actual, you know, definitions so you and I can uh, do an analysis of what they're talking about. But sir, you take care of yourself. It's a pleasure to hear from you, and you sound great to me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I shall return. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. The Inspector General now uh, has been uh, assigned the responsibility from the Attorney General to investigate what took place uh, with the FISA court and related matters. It's better than nothing, but I do not understand this reluctance to appoint a special counsel with a very defined responsibility who would report to the attorney general. That would be perfectly legitimate. Since when did citizenship become controversial? I, I just think that we're so watching the unraveling of the nation. It's just incredible. We have this political party, the Democrat Party, 
when you think it's lost its mind, you realize it just keeps losing its mind, you know, collectively. Xavier Becerra was a Democrat congressman from California. Now he's the attorney general of California. And apparently you have to be a left-wing radical kook to be elected statewide now in California. And you're not allowed to ask people if they're American citizens. You can ask them everything else. You can ask them how many toilets they have in the house. You can ask them, you know, their pigmentation, their genitalia, what they do with their genitalia, if they still have their genitalia, if they want to replace their genitalia, where they want to put their genitalia. That's okay. How many bedrooms they have, how many bathrooms they have, how many, whether they have a kitchen, what's in the kitchen. These long-form questions are really... Uh, I, I got one of those long-form applications once. They ask everything. Is your income below this amount? Is your uh, income above this amount? Are you married? If you so, as male, female, on and on. You're a United States citizen. Oh, my God! You can't ask if you're a United States citizen. Uh, why not? Because it'll offend people who aren't. Well, we don't want to offend them now, do we? No, no. The whole world is supposed to revolve around whether an illegal alien is offended. Our entire economy is supposed to revolve around whether or not an illegal alien is offended. Our entire constitution is supposed to be changed to accommodate illegal aliens. I've never heard of anything so stupid in my life. What's the point of a census? Well, you know, we're trying to get information about the population. Well, ask them if they're citizens. No, we can't do that. No, that's intimidating. Of what? Of whom? Well, people who are here illegally. You know, dreamers and dreaming parents and dreaming cousins. And dreaming great-grandpa, well, we don't want to offend them. Right. So ask anything you want. But whatever you do, don't ask if somebody's a citizen. Here's Xavier Becerra, clown, California, with another clown. Chris Hayes of MSLSD. Cut five, go. The legal issue is that's separate from saying it's illegal. Last night in a tweet immediately after this uh, came out, you said it's illegal. Why, what's your case on that? Well, because the Constitution requires the federal government to get an actual count of all the people in this country, citizen and non-citizen. So stop. So are you a citizen? You're not allowed to ask that? Well, how do we know how many citizens are in the United States? And how many non-citizens are in the United States? How does that violate the Constitution? It doesn't violate the Constitution, you idiot. Unless, of course, we have idiot judges who say it does. But, of course, it doesn't. Go ahead. I mean, that's in 1790. Uh, it doesn't say get a count of the citizens of the country. And so to violate the Constitution would whoa, be... Whoa, 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 whoa. And it also doesn't say find out their gender, their race... How many bathrooms they have, how many bedrooms they have, how many automobiles they have, what their income is, you idiot. Go ahead. Go straight to the heart of what we're supposed to do and trying to get now, an accurate account. Now we go to Richard Blumenthal. How is it that this clown 
who lied, saying he was in Vietnam and saw combat. So you know he's mentally uh, off. He certainly shouldn't get any guns. He shouldn't be near a gun. He shouldn't be near a water pistol. Richard Blumenthal, if that is his name, because you can't trust him. He's on CNN. You can't ask about citizenship? No. Cut six, go. Is this person a citizen of the United States? What's wrong with that question? First, it violates the Constitution. No, it doesn't violate the Constitution. How so? Oh, it's just... First of all, you don't even give a damn about the Constitution. You know, we want to get rid of the Second Amendment. Eh, parts of that First Amendment we don't like either, you know. And no, no, no. But no, this violates the Constitution. Not Obama's actions by fiat. That doesn't violate the Constitution. No, 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 no. This asking in the census if somebody's a citizen, that violates the Constitution. Crackpot. Go ahead. Why? Requires census tabulation to be done on every person, everyone who lives in the So United who's States. stopping that? Who is stopping that? You're not sending the census only to American citizens. You're sending the sentence to everybody because you're not sure who's an American citizen or not in some cases. And you're asking them the question. So you're counting everybody. You're counting everybody. Are you a citizen? Uh, Yes, I am. Are you a citizen? No, I'm not. Oh, well, they still send in their census form. So how does this violate the Constitution? Clearly it does. But you know what? What color skin do you have? Well, that doesn't violate the Constitution. It's right there. Right there. there. You can can ask them that. What kind of genitalia do you have? Well, that's okay. There's not a problem with Hey, that's all right. Are you planning on changing your genitalia? Yeah, give it some thought. If I can get some government money, you know, maybe I'll go in the military. They'll take care of it. Okay, those are fine. Are you a citizen? Oh, my Lord. That violates the Constitution. Go ahead. Necessarily just on citizens. Second, as a practical matter, it undercounts people who live in states or in areas that may need federal funding. So now, how does it do that? They make these ridiculous. First of all, they said, you know, we never count citizens. We haven't counted citizens for over half a century here. And then they says, and when we do count citizens, it undercounts people who live in states who, uh, who may not be said. Well, how the hell do you know? You just said we haven't done it for how many years? Well, you know, did I tell you I served in Vietnam? I saw combat. Wait a minute. I got a tick. Go ahead. Short changes. But hold on. You're saying it undercounts them because they won't reveal it. They will hide. You're saying whether or not. This is the amazing argument you get all the time. Listen, you can't ask people if they're citizens because if they're not, they're going to stay in the shadows. Oh, you can't start deporting people. Because they won't help us. They're going to stay in the shadow. Oh, okay. Sanctuary cities are important. And if you start taking these people out, they, then they won't help the cops. Oh, okay. Got it. It's about none of that. It's about illegal aliens eventually becoming citizens and voting Democrat. It's about the bluest of blue states. 
where they have millions and millions of illegal aliens getting funding from American citizens. It's that simple. Remember what I said. If you keep this in mind, it'll all make sense. You'll be disgusted, but it'll all make sense. The Democrat Party puts party before country, much like the Communist Party. Because it is the party that you have allegiance to, not the country. It is the party that controls so many aspects of the federal government, not the country. You must be faithful to the party, not the country, not the Constitution, not the Declaration, not our founding principles. No, those you got to thrust aside. So you need to understand the mindset. Go ahead. Because, uh, you know, on the face of it, it looks like it's looking for transparency. It looks as if you'll be able to get an accurate count of how many undocumented. Wow, camarada, you might be fired if you're not careful, girl. I'm telling you. Go ahead. Answer here versus citizens. Well, that may be the spin that the administration is trying to put. on. Oh, it's Trump's spin. It's Trump's spin. Go ahead. There's a reason that that question hasn't been used since 1960 on. Oh, now it's 1960. I heard one jerk say it's no, not since 1950. Now, the long form, it actually has been in there, was taken out by Obama in 2008 for the 2010 census. I don't care if it's been in there. It hasn't been in there. It was in part of it. It was in uh, this, this form. It was in Spanish. I don't care. It should have always been in there. Why not? Well, go ahead. This counts, but the practical effect will be to shortchange areas of the country where there are a large number of undocumented people. Undocumented people. First of all, I take offense. What do you mean by undocumented people? People are people, sir. What do you mean undocumented people? Aren't people people? Undocumented? What are you, a racist? I'm appalled. Undocumented? What is it that you have um, people here legally who are documented? Do we have documented citizens and undocumented citizens? What a disgrace, this Blumenthal, who never saw combat in Vietnam. And yet claimed he did. He's a documented people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Documented people as opposed to undocumented people. So we actually have these fools arguing that we can't ask in the census if you're a citizen or not. Because the blue states might not get as much money. Now somebody named a representative from Washington State, Pramila Jayapal. What the hell? What? Pramila, look, P-R-A-M-I-L-A, Pramila, Jayapal, J-A-Y-A-P-A-L. Hey, whatever. Cut seven, go. They say that this information is going to allow the administration to protect uh, voting rights. If they know how many eligible voters live in a community, then they can identify potential voter suppression. What's your response to that? It's a naked political ploy to depress participation in the census. And it's really outrageous. Oh, that's outrageous. Now, why is it a naked political ploy to depress participation in the census? 
Because those people in the shadows won't respond to the census. Why not? If those people in the shadows of illegal aliens have been paying attention any time during the last 10 years, they know damn well they're never going to be deported. They know damn well that right now both political parties are vying for their support, even under Trump. You know what? 700,000 DACA, I'll up that. I'll triple it. 1.8 million or close to tripling it. Citizens, there. What do you think about that, Democrats? Well, you haven't gone far enough. They're all hiding in the shadows. I don't know where you live. Nobody's hiding in the shadows. Unless you consider the 7-Eleven the shadows. Nobody's hiding in the shadows. Who the hell's hiding in the shadows? Go ahead. I was hoping that Wilbur Ross would have a, a much more nuanced view and be able to come out and say, no, the most important thing is that we do a very good census. The Constitution says that you need to enumerate people for the census. And so what? It doesn't say black people, brown people, yellow people, red people, white people, and yet you have no problem with that part of the census, none. It doesn't say ask them about what kind of genitalia they have. You have no problem with that whatsoever. It doesn't say ask them whether they live in a house, an apartment, they live on the streets, how big the house is, how many cars they have, how many children they have, whether their parents are still alive, anybody have a communicable disease, and on and on and on. It doesn't say that in the Constitution either. Now, does it? And yet, they ask questions like that. Go ahead leads, Brianna, as you very well know, to how federal dollars get allocated. Oh, see, there it is. Look, look, we got all these illegal aliens, which we don't mind. Don't get us undocumented people. They're in the shadows. We don't want them to leave. It's got sanctuary states, sanctuary cities. We want to protect them. Screw the American citizen. Stop asking if you're an American citizen. We need money. We need voters. Tell me, is that what the census is about? When they came up with the idea of the census and they put it in our founding, uh, in our governing document, the Constitution, were they there? Look, we need a census to see how we distribute the uh, largesse that we take in here, all the taxes that we have. We need to make sure the states aren't shortchanged. That never even entered their thinking. But now that we have this massive welfare state, to the left, that's what the census is about. Who gets what? Who gets what? The Democrats do not want you to know how many illegal aliens are in this country. The Democrats don't want you to know the truth. Vis-a-vis how many citizens there are in this country. Because you'd probably be shocked. And so asking whether somebody's a citizen or not in the census now is racist. It hurts the blue states. And it keeps people in the shadows. Hey, that sounds stupid to me. But what do I know? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. bullets you have, what type of guns you have. Uh, we want to know all about your guns, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We want to have a registry that we can put you on and so forth and so on. Now, when it comes to citizenship and the census, that we don't want to know about citizenship. 
You know, they want to know about your health care needs and your medical records through Obamacare. That's why that doctor sits there with their uh, computers, their laptops, and they're typing all that stuff in and putting codes in. And uh, they want to know all about your finances with the IRS and so forth. They want to know all about you, except if you're a citizen. Because they want to protect the illegal aliens. And they want to protect the sanctuary cities, and they want to protect the blue states, and they want massive amounts of resources from the federal government, you and me, the American taxpayer, to keep flowing into their coffers. It's all about the Democrat Party, and I'm sick and damn tired of it. I'm sick and damn tired of paying money into the federal government to support the Democrat Party and the Democrat Party's priorities. I'm tired of it. Can't even take a census and ask people if they're citizens? All this hullabaloo over that? I'll be right back. If you're trying to reach Mark on the air, call him at 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Radio Show continues. By the way, even though there is an unalienable right to bear arms, you know we have to tell the federal government on this Nix form whether we were born in the U.S. or a foreign country. And that's just one government form among many others that requires such information. My good friend, Ms. LaRue, reminds me. Great lawyer, by the way. So the government requires that information all the time. So under the gun control efforts, and even the existing form that you have to fill out, you have to explain, you have to state, rather, whether you were born in the United States or a foreign country under penalty of perjury, that is, potential felony. And that's, again, just one of many government forms where you have to do that. If you want to work for the federal government, you've got to state whether you're a citizen or not. If you want to run for public office, you have to state whether you're a citizen or not. When it comes to the census form, you see, ladies and gentlemen, we don't want to know. We don't want to know. Oh, that would be way over the top. If you've been paying attention to the news lately, one of the themes that you've probably heard over and over again is the systematic censorship of conservative voices. You've seen the whistleblowers from the biggest names in Silicon Valley, elites among them, admit that conservative points of view are actively being quashed. This is why you need to get CRTV. And I want to strongly encourage you to do it today. If you're still getting your media from the social media giants or the liberal mainstream media, you're just not getting the whole story. In fact, you're just getting frustrated and propaganda. We started my show, Levin TV as a way to fight back against the mainstream media and to make sure our subscribers had a source that they could actually trust. We have a great show tonight as a perfect example. We really hatched this idea about three years ago in my living room. And then we put it to work. March of two years ago. It's been a smashing success. So then, just over a little year ago, we launched CRTV, our conservative review TV network. And we've added more than a dozen new shows. 
new ways to watch different platforms and technologies. And we are now the biggest conservative media platform you will find anywhere in the entire digital world. And we're not done. We're still growing. So try us out for 30 days absolutely free. 30 days absolutely free. Use promo code LEVIN, that's L-E-V-I-N, and you'll also save $10 off your annual pass. That's 10%. So you can try us 30 days absolutely free and get 10% off your annual pass, 10 bucks. So just give us a call. Get started. We'll set you up. It's the easiest thing. 844-LEVIN-TV. And then you'll wonder, why didn't I do this before? I have people come up to me and say, I love Levin TV. I love your digital network. I can watch it whenever I want. I can watch it on my actual TV. I can watch it on my iPad, on my PC, on my Mac. I can watch it on my iPhone, my Android. I can watch it in so many ways, in so many places. It's so enormously convenient. And we'll show you how to set it up. It'll be very easy. So give us a call right now, 844-LEVIN-TV. That's 844-L-E-V-I-N-TV. We have a dozen great hosts, a dozen great programs. We're going to add more, as I promised you we would. And it all started in my living room with Levin TV. So I hope you'll check it out. And I know you're going to really enjoy it and wish you had been there earlier. You should start now. I want you to get CRTV immediately. Try and get it tonight so you can start by watching my show tonight, Levin TV, which is crucially important. It's one of the best I've done because the content is so so crucial. 844-LEVIN-TV. It's that simple. Okay, let us continue, shall we? Okay, got it. Oh, there's my call screen. How did that happen? Let's go to Philip, Green Bay, Wisconsin, the great WTAQ. Go right ahead, sir. Yes, sir. Mark, it's a great it's a great honor to talk to you. Are you a citizen, sir? Yes, sir, I am. And I'm a Marine Corps veteran. God bless you, my friend. Well, I was going to say, God bless you. There are many like me, Mark, but you're one in a million. Uh, no, there aren't, I thank, but I appreciate that. I thank you so much for defending the Constitution. I don't know how much more a man can do. You you have live-in TV. You've, you're uh, author of several fine books, I mean, intelligently written. I'm a proud owner of Liberty and Tyranny. I'd Thank urge you. everybody to get out there and start reading your books. But um, to You're the a point, good man. Appreciate it. Go right ahead. <laughs> to the point, uh, thank you for pointing out um, about Rosenstein and, and those lawyers that pointed out that uh, they it's unconstitutional the, the way they're, they're going about this. I, I didn't... I knew all along... Uh, in my gut that they didn't have the right to to go out of bounds, so to speak, uh, from the original point of what they said the investigation was supposed to take part in. And let me remind everybody, Philip, you don't hang up on what you're talking about. And I, you're referring to an article I read from that also refers to the filing of Manafort's lawyers telling the court this week that this special counsel is unconstitutional. And here's why. Let me just sum up for everybody who's just joining us. There is an appointments clause in the Constitution. So the president, when he's talking about presidential appointments or senior level appointments, let me speak generically. These have to be submitted to the Senate for confirmation. 
So the attorney general, he had to be submitted for confirmation, the deputy attorney general, and so forth and so on. And what they're saying in part is the appointments clause is violated because you have this all-powerful special counsel uh, who didn't get appointed through the democratic processes, the United States Senate. So the Senate never had an opportunity to share in this. Now, we have thousands of political appointees and millions of bureaucrats who haven't gone through that process. But the point is, when a special counsel exercises this kind of power, he should go through this process. Because he's not a GS-15 or an SES-2 or whatever it is. He's an enormously powerful person. That's number one. Number two, the Deputy Attorney General of the United States is the acting Attorney General when the Attorney General recuses himself. That is, when the Attorney General says, I'm not going to involve myself in these matters because I may, there may be an appearance of a conflict. And in his letter, Jeff Sessions was talking about the election. The election. I'm recusing myself from matters related to the election. So for these purposes, the deputy attorney general will act in my stead. So the deputy attorney general is the attorney general for those purposes. That's number two. And that's it. And number three, they argue correctly. Well, the deputy attorney general has been authorizing this special counsel at the special counsel's request to investigate matters that have nothing to do with the attorney general's recusal which have nothing to do with the so-called collusion or the interference by the Russians in the election. When the special counsel is investigating, Manafort's lawyer is arguing, matters that took place in 2005, 2008, 2009, 2012, matters involving the tax code, my finances, whether I'm registered as a foreign agent, that has nothing to do with what the attorney general decided to step aside from his recusal. And the deputy attorney general is only limited in his ability to act as attorney general. He cannot expand the special counsel's investigation beyond the recusal of the attorney general. Otherwise, he is acting unconstitutionally. So these are broadly the points that have been raised by Manafort's attorneys. And they ought not be dismissed. They are extremely strong, substantive points. Go right ahead, Philip. Uh, yeah, yes, Mark. Oh, and it's Attila. <laughs> um, what is your um, name? Um, Attila. Attila. Oh, you're Attila. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. No, that's all right. Yeah, but um, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, and I thought that all along. He can't go beyond that scope. And I hope Jeff Sessions sits up and takes notice and isn't timid and indecisive uh, in his dealings with... Uh, what Jeff Sessions needs to do is uphold the Constitution and his statutory power. What he needs to do is exactly what the writer of that column said, or the, uh, the op-ed, which is either move those cases, having no, or those charges having nothing to do uh, with the recusal, uh, to a United States Attorney's Office, I would argue to the Public Integrity Section, the Criminal Division, doesn't much matter, but Mr. Mueller is not free to investigate those. Number two, he needs to rein in the deputy attorney general, remind him he's only the attorney general for purposes related to the campaign. He has no authority whatsoever, constitutional or statutory, to be granting uh, Mr. Mueller his request to expand his investigations beyond the specific recusal language uh, that the attorney general uh, made public. That's it. But Jeff Sessions needs to take action. Jeff Sessions needs to step in. No question about it. All right, Attila. 
Attila the, uh, what, the cheese head? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right, sir. Thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Filing those blasted income taxes. Most of us spend a lot of time hoping that it'll somehow go away, but it doesn't. The tax man always comes. There's something else you're probably dreading and hoping never happens, that your identity gets stolen. Look, Equifax, Aetna, FedEx, and Expedia's orbits, they've all been breached. Top that off with Facebook's latest debacle, and it's time to face the fact that your data are out there, and so is your risk of being a victim. When we talk about breaches by these major companies, we're talking about you. That's your data. Now, I searched for the very best in identity protection, and I found it. And then we embraced it. It's My ID Care. For less than 10 bucks a month, My ID Care covers you for the nine types of identity theft. And they provide a 100% identity recovery guarantee if you do fall victim or your money back. Now... You just can't find this level of protection anywhere else. Stop dreading and hoping. You need to file your taxes. You need to protect your bank accounts, your pensions, your credit cards. You need My ID Care. Learn more and get 15% off at myidcare/mark. Myidcare/mark or call 866-334-3084, 866-334-3084. One more time, call them right now. 866-334-3084. Here I am on Hannity last night. Cut eight. Go. Look, this is too serious. I'm watching Anderson Cooper. We did a side-by-side. Yeah. Jerry Springer Cooper. Because he asked the same questions that Jerry Springer asked. And they've done this 24-7 for weeks. The same network that never interviewed Juanita Broderick till October of 2016, Mark. This is not tabloid. This is agenda-driven, Zucker-driven drivel because he has an agenda against Donald Trump. Well, and they're getting ratings. You see what 60 Minutes did. They got the greatest ratings they've had CNN doesn't have uh, those. uh, Yeah, exactly. But... The truth is, if Donald Trump's last name was Kennedy, we'd not be seeing a thing of this. They'd be covering it up. And here's the difference. Number one, why is it assumed that the porno actress and the ex-Playboy Bunny are telling the truth? And why are the media focused on this? Let's take a look at Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was accused of sexual assault in the Oval Office. Bill Clinton was accused of having sex with an intern in the Oval Office. Bill Clinton was accused as attorney general in an official position of raping Juanita Broderick. Bill Clinton was attorney, was uh, governor of Arkansas, accused of using his position to try and get sex and exposing himself to an employee, Paula Jones. Donald Trump isn't even close, even if you believe all this, which I know he's not even close to this stuff. John Kennedy had an affair with a mob boss's girlfriend, Job John Kennedy had a relationship with an East German spy. John Kennedy had sex with an intern in the White House pool. John Kennedy, I mean, so many examples. LBJ was said to be worse than John Kennedy. I I can go on and on and on. Now, the media will say, well, that's a diversion. No, I'll tell you what's a diversion. The media have ignored 
the rogue activity of the highest levels of the FBI. The media have ignored Russia's influence in our election. We now know that the Obama administration knew about it, that Susan Rice knew about it, told the people to stand down. We got these lectures from Mark Warner and Adam Schiff. Unbelievable, they said, the Russians would get involved in our election. They're right. Now that we know that the Obama administration knew about it, vertically, horizontally, departments and agencies, and did nothing about it. Moreover, we know that lies were told to federal judges at the FISA court to get a warrant to spy on an American citizen. And then for a year, they got three extensions. The media do not care about that. So what do the media care about? The pornification of the media. Last week, it was Donald Trump was mentally ill, so they dragged this professor out from Yale and pranced her from one station to another. Before that, it was this kook with his book, Michael Wolff. Everybody didn't trust him. But anyway, he was good for a week. And then we get to hear from this idiot for a week. And it goes on and on and on. The media obviously hate Trump. Here's what they're trying to do. They know that Trump supporters aren't going to be persuaded by any of this. But what they're trying to do is get the people out there who don't really pay a lot of attention, who may not be Trump supporters, and to keep driving the stake and driving the stake and grabbing anything they can, including a porno star who I'd never heard of. I never heard of any of these people before. And all of a sudden, they're presented to the American people as if they're truth tellers. This Anderson Cooper, you know, I didn't watch this. You showed this on your show earlier. The questions he was asking. Has he no shame? Is he not embarrassed? The children of this country to listen kind of, to a Mark, reporter go on of, and on about the it, kind of sex, kind what of. kind of sex, when you had sex. It's creepy. What is it? It's sick. It's sick. It's sick. It really and I'm starting creepy. to think some it's of these so reporters creepy. are enjoying sitting at their computers doing research on uh, on uh, Daniels or whatever her name is. Uh, Smoky Daniels, whatever stormy, her name is. Stormy, Stormy. Uh, stormy Daniels and so forth and so on. Smoky, Stormy, you don't know the difference. I don't know. They're starting, starting to get a kick out of it. <laughs> anyway, it's really pathetic. I can't. I'm actually crying. You know, I have to admit, I have a good time with Sean on his show. I really do. Do I have enough time for this next clip? I guess I don't. It's a damn good one, but you can go online and check it out. <clears throat> and I'm happy to report that Sean, for the month, has beaten Rachel Madcal over there at MSLSD for overall viewership. And that's what counts. I know they like to talk about the demos and so forth. But the truth is, when you have more people watching your show than any other show, that's a big deal. I should know when people listen to this show. And uh, Sean is asking me, and I'm seriously considering it, to be a weekly regular on his show uh, on a particular day at a particular time. I don't know how much more I can do here, but uh, but we'll take a look at that. And I must say, these other programs... Uh, if the uh, Fox and Friends in the morning and my buddies uh, uh, Kilmeade and Ducey and Jesse Waters, his wonderful show on the weekend. I'm going to be doing that this week. They're all really quite good. The Five, I've really come to like The Five. You know, I used to get down on Gutfeld and those guys. I actually, I don't always get to watch it, but sometimes when I'm prepping I do. I find myself liking the guy and liking most of the people there. One. Uh, so, um I do. And uh, Martha McCullough, they, and they all, Tucker, uh, Ingram, they all do a very, very good show as far as I'm concerned. So uh, I'm just a little tiny piece of it. You know, I'm the, I'm the afterthought. I'm Sunday at 10 p.m. We do what we can, but uh, we'll continue to do it. 
All right, folks. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Check out Levin TV tonight. It's really, really good, and I think it's very, very important. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless you.